Good morning. Hey, uh, my name's Tim. I'm the lead pastor here. It's really good to be together. It's good to be together here in this room. It's good to be together online. If you're watching online on your own with a family, there's a crew of you I, I just heard hanging out in Oregon City together. That's so awesome to hear. If you're listening or watching at a later time, it is good to be together to worship God, to turn our attention to him, to open up scripture together. Um, I, I want to hit a couple things and then we'll pray and, and open up uh, to the book of Luke. If you do not have a Bible, um, please please find one. Um, if you're in the room here with us, there's, there's some on the shelves on the sides. Uh, if you have a, a device with a screen on it, you are able to access the Word of God in some way. You can do that if you're at home. Um, hopefully you can find a Bible or grab one, but we're going to be in the book of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 1, so that's where we're going to be. A couple things. Uh, last week, I don't know that I've ever done this before, but um, I'm going to encourage you, if you were not a part of last week or have not listened or watched last week, to go back and to watch it. Um, it was a really important uh, moment for us as, as Mosaic, for us as a church. Uh, we finished up a series that we called Gardens, Houses, Families, asking three questions. What sustains our life? We all ask this question and answer it in some way. We want to be intentional about it. So what is it that sustains your life? Where is it that God has placed you? And we want to be a part of helping each and every one of us see our lives and our experience in this world through God's kingdom lens and not our own. Where has God placed you? And the third one was, who are you with? Um, if you're a part of Mosaic, in a, in a sense, you are with this church family. But even beyond that and more personal and intimate that is, who are the people that are around you as your kind of extended spiritual family that you're linked arms with, that you're doing life with? And so those three questions help um, guide us to the vision that God's given us as a church, and we walked through that for the last two months, and then just shared a bunch of what that looks like for us that we know, and there's a lot that we don't know as we step into this next season, and so last week was really uh, important and critical. One of the things that, that I shared was uh, that we're starting in January, a fundraising effort that will go for two years that we're calling Now and Next, and um, if you've heard about that, if you were here last week, if you've remembered that, if you've got questions about it, um, over the next two months, November and December, we're going to be talking about that a lot. Um, the forums are one way to find out about that. More will be coming out online and those kinds of things. So now and next about, it, it's to help us with the resources to, to support the vision that God's given us. But more importantly than that, it's a, it's a moment for us in the, the history and story of our church for us to, to grow in how we view finances, our own money, those kinds of things. So yes, there are some tangible needs, but even more important than that is, how is it that we're approaching and handling our, our own money? Uh, what does it look like to give to a community that's on mission for Jesus in this city? Um, so we're hoping and praying and anticipating that God's gonna form each of us as a families, as individuals, as we handle our money. So that's now next. The, the other thing is this, on Tuesdays we are starting um, a, well, we've, I, for a couple months now, we've had a, a set aside Tuesdays for prayer and fasting as a church. Um, if you're just now hearing that, um, there's, there's info and resources online to kind of help guide through that. One of the things is an email that drops, it's a prayer and fasting email, drops at 4 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Um, and as I said last week, if, if you're up with Jesus before that, he's there with you and can hear you and be with you. Um, but we're choosing to drop it at 4 a.m. And when you wake up in the morning, if you're not up already, um, there's a guide there. Uh, to pray together as a church. This Tuesday, we're starting, at least for this fall, we're gonna try it out, is opening up this space, and whoever wants to come and pray together from 12 to 12.30, so half hour for lunch, uh, we're just gonna gather here uh, and pray. We're also gonna be available on Zoom for that half hour as well. So prayer and fasting Tuesdays, if that works for you, I invite you to consider participating in some way uh, with that as we move forward.
All right, that's a lot. Here we go. I'm going to invite you to pray with me, and then we're going we're gonna to open up uh, to the book of Luke and start a series that's going to guide us for some time. So would you, would you pray with me now? God, we're, we're with you. We're in your presence. You have chosen to, to gather with us whenever and wherever we are right now. That you are here, that you're real, that you're alive, that you're a God who tells us over and over that your character is trustworthy, that you are strong, that you decide what is just and want to bring more and more of your justice into our world and our experience. God, you are powerful that you are mighty and that you are faithful. And so we as your people, as your church, want to declare you in this space and time for who you are and worship you for who you are. Luke verse, chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Our vision as a church says this, as we've tried as best we can to, to put the words that God has, has called us to, to put that to words, we say this, that the second line of it is that we will contribute to a movement of courageous and resilient disciples. That, that we want to be a part of a movement, that, and that can't just be us as, as this one church, that we want to link arms with other churches that are seeking to follow Jesus that believe in the Bible and want to be spoken to, from God to us through the Bible, that we want to link arms with other churches who, who really want to make disciples who are following Jesus, that know his voice and are becoming more and more like him as they live in this world. Courageous and resilient are just things that are necessary in this time in which we live. If you're a disciple who's not particularly courageous, you're probably not going to be a disciple for very long, and then that means you're not very resilient. So we want and we envision being disciples who in this moment in history and in this particular culture and in this corner of the world that we want to be disciples who are courageous and resilient. And then we go on to describe just a little bit of what that looks like. And the first thing that we say after that is formed by God's word. That we believe that in order to be courageous and resilient disciples who delight in Jesus, who are looking more and more like Jesus as we go through our life, that we need to be formed by God's word. That, that this book, that these words, that the story that is told here, that in all of that's in here, that, that God would be speaking to us through his word, the, the Bible. If you've been around for any amount of time, or if you've gone on and said, what does this particular church believe about the Bible? We believe that this is God's word to all of humanity. We believe that God speaks through it. We believe that it's inspired, that it's trustworthy, that we can actually shape our lives around what is here, that we want to be formed by God's word. I heard a great line a few weeks ago. I was in a, a seminar with a, um, a bunch of a, a people that I, I know and trust, and I don't remember if they even said where they first heard it, but they just said, hey, 
here's this line, I want to share it with you. And I, again, I don't know the source other than the, the person that I heard that day saying, and they were quoting somebody else and they didn't name them. Here's the quote. It says, sometimes the church, the, the people of God in the world today have spent too much time studying God's word. Stay with me here. Studying God's word to learn about God. Studying God's word to learn about God rather than seeking to experience scripture in order to encounter God. There's a big difference. It's a huge difference. Both are vitally important that we study scripture, that we spend time reading it, that we want to learn about God. But, but that's not an end in of, of itself. And if it is, we fall far short of what God has intended for us. That there is a God of the universe who is alive, who seeks and desires to be in relationship with each and every woman and man and child that he has created. That's all of us. That he wants to be in relationship with us. And we don't, we don't settle for friendships where we just learn about people. We long for relationships and friendships where we encounter another person, where we experience them, where we know them and they know us. So why it is vitally important that we study scripture to learn about God, and we're not gonna stop doing it, we're gonna continue to do that, and that's a large part of what we're doing together on Sundays when we do this. But our longing, our desire, and our need is to experience God's word in such a way that we encounter the living God. And so that's what we wanna do as we work our way through the book of Luke and then the book of Acts. I believe and have for the entire time that God's called me to, to be a pastor who teaches God's word. I believe that what we do when we gather in this form or when we listen or watch online, that what we do when we spend time doing this shapes, informs, and predicts what we will do when we're on our own, when we're encountering God's word. Let me say that again. What we do here with God's word and how we approach it will shape, affect, and inform and predict how each of us engages God's word on our own. And, and if you hear me say that and you're like, um, I can't remember the last time I read the Bible beyond a Sunday morning. Can I just say that you're missing out on so much. Let's take the guilt and if there's shame in there, gosh, let's condemn that shame and get that away. But let's just set the guilt aside for a minute if that's a barrier in any way for you. The God of the universe wants to be with you and for you to hear his voice and for him to listen to yours, that that's a mutual thing. And scripture is a way that that happens. So you're invited again to start over, to start again this very week to open up God's word and encounter him through it. But what we do and how we handle this, and so we're gonna, we're gonna work through these important books in the Bible, Luke and Acts, in such a way that hopefully will model and invite you into experience God by experience scripture and encounter God by the way that we do that here. And so one of the great gifts of just opening up a book of the Bible and teaching straight through it is that God sets the agenda. And so rather than bringing an agenda every week, that we're gonna let God set the agenda by the things that we talk about. And because it's, it's public access, we all can have a Bible, you know the things that are coming up and that we can't sidestep or avoid. That's a good thing, that we can be formed by God's word and he's gonna set the agenda. What we did the last couple months was we... We got direction from God and then we 
we found a scripture that, that led us into that, invited us into that, and that's a, that's a fine and adequate and good and worthwhile and productive way to teach. This is a little different, and so we're going to open up Luke, we're going to go through, and then we're going to get to his sequel, which is the book of Acts, and get through that. We're going to start with Jesus, and that leads us to his work in the world, the church. And so that's, that's where we're going, and that's how we're doing it. I want to invite you and encourage you to be in the book of Luke, in the book of Acts, on your own. Just read it during the week. Start slowly, if you want, however you typically read. If you don't, set a time. I've, I've shared with you over the last couple years, my time has been first thing in the morning. I'm reading through a, um, what's called a narrative Bible, which is like a, it's, it's like, it's this big, but it's like four volumes because the pages aren't these super like, uh, kind of special, like tissue paper thinness. They're like real, like if you buy a, a, a nice novel, they're that kind of thickness. And the, the verses and the numbers are removed from it, so it's just, it's just sentence after sentence. It's not broken up in this way that the Bible is typically broken up. And so it's this immersive experience that's just different. And I've been reading, and I can share with you this past week that I started in the book of First Chronicles. Yeah. Just, if, if you're not like, ha, ha, just go and, and look at the book of Chronicles and say, hey, what, what would that be like to read that at 6.35 in the morning? Ah, it's rough. And, and I'm gonna be... You know, I talked with Jesus about this already, and, and, and I, I don't feel like I need to repent. That's just something I can share with you. Um, that I just, I, I didn't read every word. I, I got done, I, I just felt so inept trying to pronounce some of the words in the lineage of the book of, of First Chronicles. I just, I kind of turned a page, you know what? And I still met Jesus that morning, it was fine. So anyways, for whatever that's worth, I didn't plan on sharing that with you. That just kind of came out, and we're just gonna move past it. But that you're engaged in scripture in some way. Pick Luke, pick Acts, read through with us. The other thing that we're gonna be doing, it's, it's not in the first couple weeks, but once we get into Advent and certainly into January, is we're gonna, we're gonna have just some resources available so you can grab a few other people, one, two, three, four other people, and say, hey, let's, let's spend a, an hour a week and just share what God said to us through this particular text as we're moving through together. And so we're gonna be talking more about that as, as we go on. But to be into, into scripture on a regular basis and to create time and space and to push the other things aside and say, God, I wanna hear from you, would you speak to me this morning, even through a place and time as First Chronicles? That can actually happen. Luke is a, uh, uh, a companion of, of a guy named Paul who wrote the second most amount of pages in the New Testament. In the second amount. See, the, the person who wrote the most of the New Testament is Luke. Luke writes Luke, which is really long. It's one book, but it's really long, and then Acts, and it's, it's got some good length to it. And so when you take Luke and Acts and put it together, that's about 27% of the whole Old Testament. So he wins. Uh, Paul is a little bit behind, and I don't know if that was a competition or not before them or if that even matters, but Luke wrote most of the New, New Testament. He's a companion of Paul. He, wasn't, he didn't personally hang out with and know Jesus, and which is why he says, I gotta go find some eyewitnesses, who, people who were with Jesus. But Paul has been transformed and he's a follower of Jesus. He's also not a Jew, he's a Gentile. And so one of the things, and this is beautiful, we'll see this throughout, is that there is this tension throughout the book of Luke and then certainly in the book of Acts. But it, we see it throughout the book of Luke, there's this tension between Jews who say, hey, God is gonna come and save our nation, our nation is special. And we're ruled by the Romans right now, and so God's gonna come and save our nation. And, and Jesus consistently pushes against that and says, no, your vision for your nation is not the same as God's. And in fact, it goes beyond you. 
of, yes, God is going to fulfill his promise to your nation, but he's got a vision for all people because God created all people and wants all people to know him. And so there's great ethnic tension between Jews and Gentiles. Every other race and ethnicity beyond Jews is, is, is what a Gentile is, and as we'll, as we'll find through Luke and Acts throughout the New Testament. And so Luke is a, is a non-Jew who has come to believe and to follow Jesus. And he's traveled with Paul, and he knows Paul, and, and Paul identifies him one place, and um, I think it's Colossians 4, verse 14, where he's, he says this. He says, um, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, uh, and Demas send greetings. And so this is the, this is the Luke that writes Luke in, in Acts, that, that Paul says, hey, we've hung out, we've spent time together. Luke's a doctor, he's a physician, which he's more highly educated than anybody else, or most people in the society, and he's got this special skill. He's a physician. And Paul says, hey, Luke is this doctor, and, and Luke says, hey, many else have undertaken this effort to write about Jesus. And, and the interesting thing is, is, as Luke starts in these first four verses, that he actually doesn't mention Jesus. In, in Acts chapter one, and in the sequel, we have, we have this, that, that Luke writes this. He says, in my former book, which is the book of Luke, Theophilus, I'm talking, writing to Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So this is all about Jesus, even if in the first four verses it doesn't say Jesus. But in the sequel in Acts, he says, yeah, as you know, like, this is all about Jesus. As you get, get right into the next few verses, we find we're going to read about John, and we're going to read about Jesus, because he introduces John, and then Jesus right, right away, the birth, and we're going to get, as we get into Advent, we'll get into that. The most well-known telling of the birth of Jesus is in Luke chapter 2. And we'll be in, just there in a few weeks, if you can believe that. Yeah, we did time this out, so it synced up right with Advent. Luke is writing all about Jesus. He's writing so that we can know Jesus. I am itching to get into the book of Acts. And one of the reasons is, is because in our world today and in this kind of coming out of, out of COVID and into post-COVID time is so many of us are questioning, what is the role of the church in the world today? And over the last couple of years, we've, we've had an, 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 this invitation from God of will the church ask and answer the question of what's the, our role been in our recent history of the world. And it's not been great. In some ways, it's been phenomenal. In a lot of ways, it's fallen short. And so I want to get into the book of Acts because we're asking the question of what does it look like to be a part of a, a local church? What does it look like to, to submit my life to one another as believers? What does it look like to say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, which means I'm a part of a church, and largely our culture and society is saying that the churches have failed in so many ways. And so I'm itching to get into the book of Acts to say, hey, this is a vision for who we're supposed to be. Let's be honest about our failures. But gosh, let's have the courage to step into what God's called us to be in this world. And so I want to get in the book of Acts. I, I just have this sense of, I don't think we can just read Acts and autocorrect who we are as a church. I'm impatient to do that. I'm itching to do that. I believe God's saying to us as a church is let's start in Luke and go through Luke so that we're really clear and have a refresher on all things Jesus because Jesus is the one that shapes and sets the direction for the church. And so we're gonna spend months in the book of Luke before we get to the book of Acts. And so that's gonna be really hard and God's gonna work on my impatience and maybe yours too till we get to the great vision of what the church is to be in the world today. So we're gonna spend a lot of time on Jesus. When, when, Paul says, when, when Luke says, I'm writing this account so that you can know Jesus. He, he describes this and he says, the things that have been fulfilled among us. 
And what Luke is doing is he's saying, I'm gonna link what has just recently happened. And just recently happened, let's set the time for this a little bit. Luke is writing most likely in the early to mid-60s. Not, not 1960s, just 60s, okay? So like 2,000 years ago. He's a contemporary of Paul. He didn't, Luke didn't walk and hang out with Jesus, didn't know him personally. But what, what, what Luke is doing is he's writing in the, in the mid-60s, most likely, and it was published in, in uh, the earliest is 63. You know, there's all sorts of theories after that. But he's writing in, in a time, and he's writing to a, a people, and it's very disrupted time. The, the, the people, the Jews in particular as a nation, the Gentiles that lived there with him and then the surrounding uh, nations, knew about Jesus, and he's saying, I'm gonna carefully investigate, and I'm gonna go back and talk to people who knew Jesus. Have you ever had this experience? We've all had this experience where you experience something in your day, and you're like, I can't wait to tell my closest friends. And if you're not gonna see them, it, it goes, well, I, I can't wait to tell some acquaintances. And if they won't listen to you, then it turns into, I can't wait to tell the checkout person who has to talk to me when I go through the line. I've gotta tell somebody this thing that happened in my day today, because it was so funny or so profound, or so inspiring, and you just can't wait to tell. And so you run it through in your mind over and over and over again. You're like, oh yeah, this happened, and then that happened, and they said this, and this, and did you see this, and that? And then as soon as you get, I'm gonna download everything. Luke is having that experience. His life has been transformed by Jesus. I can't wait to tell you, but I'm not gonna rely just on me. I'm gonna go back to the sources, those that walked with Jesus and saw Jesus. They, they saw a guy who's, who hadn't walked in decades, all of a sudden be able to walk because of Jesus. Saw somebody who was, had, had leprosy and they were condemned by society and then they didn't because of Jesus. That the religious leaders that thought they had the whole culture and society dialed into what worked for them were flipped upside down and were scheming to kill Jesus because of the way he taught with such authority. Like the people that experienced that and saw that, Luke said, I'm gonna go and find them and I'm gonna sit with them and I'm gonna buy them coffee, I'm gonna listen to them, I'm gonna interview them and I'm gonna write it all out. And I'm a doctor and I've been through a lot of education, so I know how to do that well. And the reason he writes these first four verses in the way that he does is because he wants everybody to know in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s when they first read this is to say, oh, this is an educated dude who's writing this. He knows what he's doing. And so he's saying, listen to me, I've done the work. I've been really careful about this. And I wanna give you an orderly account of who Jesus is. We need an orderly account of who Jesus is because we're invited to follow him and he's gonna intends to shape our lives and guide us in everyday living. And so this is such a great thing that we have, that God gave us through, through Luke. These things were fulfilled among us, he says. And then he ends with, this is, this is Theophilus that he's writing to. And he's not intending it just to go to Theophilus. Like, we don't need to be worried about offending Luke that we're reading Theophilus. Theophilus' note, okay? This is for all of us. He's writing it to Theophilus, but he writes it in such a way that he knows it's gonna be widely read. He put a ton of work into this. It's going to be widely read, but he's writing to Theophilus, and Theophilus is also a Gentile, not a Jew. He says, this Jesus is for all people, not one particular nation or one particular ethnicity. This Jesus is for all people. I'm living proof of it, Luke is saying. He says, I'm writing to you, Theophilus. I want you to, to know him. And he says, you've already been instructed in Jesus. So the, the likelihood is that Theophilus is already a believer. He's probably a new believer. He's probably only been following Jesus for a few months or maybe a few years, but his faith is newer. And not only that, but his faith is wavering. And one of the reasons his faith is probably wavering is because he's watching a people that Jesus came to not handle that very well. 
that Jesus says, I'm one of you, I'm a Jew, I've come to you first, and they largely reject him. Not only that, but they kill him. And then he does this amazing thing, he rises from the dead, and then a few more start to fall and believe, but a, a lot of them are still against him. And Theophilus is watching this as a Gentile going, his own people rejected him. And then this new thing that started this church, man, a lot of people do not like the church. And so when I'm signing up to follow Jesus, this is what I'm signing up for, to be rejected. And then there's a high level of hostility and persecution against those. And so his faith is wobbling. It needs to be bolstered. Man, I need to read this right now because I can relate to a lot of that. And many of us can. We're in the exact same place. Jesus doesn't seem particularly popular. Being a part of a church doesn't seem extremely popular. There's a lot of hostility and persecution and mocking and pointing fingers at. Luke's writing to a person that's walking through and experiencing that. He calls him excellent because he probably was some kind of a Roman official in some way. He had a place of authority and, and position. And so what a great thing for Luke as a physician to do all this research and write it out so intentionally, but to address it to somebody in power. And so that everybody else can go, okay, this is addressed to somebody for power, so it's, it's for me as well. I can read it too. I'm, I'm under the level of, of societal influence that they are. I can come behind them and, and read this and absorb this as well. So Luke is writing for so many people. Verse four says this. So that, so he's saying this is why I'm writing this. This is like the purpose statement for the whole book, the whole, the whole project of Luke and Acts. So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. I, uh, Abby and I were, were having dinner with a, a young couple here at Mosaic that's gonna get married in a few weeks. And um, we were just were sharing stories. They were asking questions about marriage. We were doing that, that kind of thing. It's, it's great. We, uh, um, we, a story came up that I can't remember the last time I told this or shared this and don't think I ever have here, but um, on our wedding day, uh, we, we decided uh, that we were going to take pictures before the ceremony. Um, and by we decided, I meant Abby decided we were going to take pictures before the ceremony. And um, so she uh, got, got set up in a room and, and my dad kind of ushered me in and, and took a few pictures real quick, kind of a, a there's a term for that. First look? First look. First look. And so did that and, um, and then quickly walked out. Um, I, uh, I had a few moments of just stunned, like, whoa. And then I, I, I broke down crying, which... Um, if you're, if you're new here, I, I just do that all the time. That's just, just emotion, just No, I don't, I'm, um, I don't do that. I, I wish I was better at that. I think I'm getting better at that, but that's, that's a growth area for me. I just started crying. Um, and as Abby is telling this young couple that this story, she said, uh, yeah, he was like, uh, what she said, like bowled over. And I was like, wait, I don't remember that. And she's like, oh yeah, so apparently I was doing this and just bawling, which I don't remember. I don't remember bending over. And, and she says, um, I, she goes, the, the thought flashed through my mind. Is he calling this off? Is he, is he calling this off? And I, you know, we've, we've shared the story together a, a, a ton. That's not new information. I knew, you know, on our honeymoon, we processed that, you know. Like, um, 
but I, I couldn't believe it. And I said, oh, like, it was the exact opposite. Like, I, I, I mean, I, th I think my wife is beautiful. I've always been attracted to her, but walking in when she was, like, that first look set up and the, there was windows open behind her, so there was light coming in behind her and, you know, wedding dress that I had never seen on her before and, you know, just, it, she was stunning. And I just, I was overcome with this sense of, like, she's really gonna marry me? Like, what? Wow. You know, and so I just was, I mean, this was, so I just broke down and cried, and she had the thought go through her mind. And then when I got up and could actually speak and talk, and uh, we had a, a moment together before we went off and took pictures, and we're all fine, and the rest of the day was great and all that. And so, but that thought crossed her mind. There was this moment of uncertainty, and then it went away. We know what that's like to question things that have seemed so true for so long or things that we've been absolutely convinced of and then have them just go, just get a little wobbly. Like they're gonna sideswipe real quick or the, the, the ground that we thought was sturdy starts to, to quake a little bit. Luke is writing to a younger believer and he's saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you all of this. I'm gonna tell you the story and the eyewitnesses. I'm gonna give you all of this. And the reason I'm doing it is so that you can know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So that you can know the certainty of, of the story that you've heard. So that you can be certain that Jesus is God in the flesh. That he lived, died, really died, was really buried, and rose again. And has a plan for healing the whole world. That he offers salvation to us. That you can be certain that that is true. Certainty is this this weird thing, and, and the, the word here, don't let it be distracting, like, well, we can't be certain of anything, for, you know, we, we have to have faith, and it can't just, the word here actually means this, it paints this picture of being secure and safe. It doesn't mean certain, like you've got all your left brain analytical intellectual questions answered down to the T, and you, then you can be certain because you checked it all off and it'll be done, and any question that ever comes up has an answer to it. It's not that at all. It actually is taking some of those questions and also the, the reality of our life that's lived on the right side of the brain, if you're familiar with that, and it's not just this simplistic, like, analytical and, and creative. It, that, that there's so much more going on in our personhood and our brains than that, and it's this, this sense of this, this trying to get information and process it on, on one side that is largely analytical, but the other side of our brain that is largely designed for relationship, and the two for all of us have to be integrated. And when Luke writes that we can be certain what he's doing is saying the things that you know, but the person that it's all about, that you can be certain that he is alive and with you and you can hear his voice and he can hear yours and he's intended for being in relationship. You are intended to be in relationship with him. That's what you can be certain about. There's this, Paul, sorry, Luke also uses in the book of Acts the exact same word and he describes it as the, the doors in a jail cell being securely locked and safe, that you can depend on them. And he says, that's what I want you to have when it comes to the person and work of Jesus. And so I'm gonna write and tell you all of these things about Jesus because you can be certain in him. You can have a sense of safety and security that the, the ground that you're standing on, the truth and the foundation that you're standing on is trustworthy because it's about a person. And that person is Jesus. One of the things that we do on a regular basis because what we do here shapes our lives outside of here is we come back to Jesus over and over and over again. And one of the ways that we do that is through communion. And we're gonna take communion right now, we're gonna continue to sing and worship together. And we're gonna kinda come together next week and we're gonna take the next, look at the next,
number of verses in Luke and continue on as we, we get invited in to know and walk with and believe in and be certain, safe, and secure in the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. If you're here in the room right now, the trick to these, these things is to bend the tab down and then, and then peel up the, the plastic on top and then the silver underneath. If you're at home, you hopefully picked something that's much easier to navigate. And Jesus, we come to you and we say that we need you that you, Jesus, is our Savior. You are our King. You are our Lord. You've invited us into a relationship with you. And so would we, in our moment in history right now, would you grow in us and speak into us and form in us a determined, courageous, resilient trust in you that changes us and shapes us on a daily basis? We worship you in this place. We delight in you in our hearts as our living Savior. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Would you take and eat? Would you take and drink as we sing together?